So this footnote is about making excuses about not transitioning, about transition and the risk and the fear and all that sort of thing. Okay. Very much along that lines of getting out of your comfort zone, it's comfortable to make excuses. Mm. But in the end, it's not really. The quality of life, not comfortable really. Mm. Just a quick content warning that there is going to be discussion about food, weight and disordered eating. So if that's something that you're sensitive to, you can skip forward. So I spent a lot of my life... I've known I'm trans since I was five years old. Okay. But I didn't have any words for it. I didn't really understand it. <clears throat> and because I don't didn't live in a family with very strong gender roles and need to conform to certain gender presentation or anything, it was not really an issue for me. It didn't really come up a lot until I hit puberty. Right. Then I hit puberty quite early. <laughs> I was 11 when I first had a period and oh, same. boobs just popped out. <laughs> yeah. By the time I started high school, I was I, I'm pretty much was my adult size when mm. I hit grade eight. And um, yeah, I felt so uncomfortable in that role, but I tried really hard to fit in as a girl because that's my personality type, just naturally I kind of want to be accepted. I'd been homeschooled a lot of my life. Mm. And so this I, was my first time going to school full time. Yeah, since preschool. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to fit in. I was like, this is a chance to redo, to reset. And being a proper girl, that will make me fit in. And then I fell in with the cool girls and... <laughs> Then a few semesters in, uh, I fell out of favour. The mm. whole, like, no one was allowed to talk to me. I was the the person. N- no grades were supposed to talk to me. Oh, so when the only person from school I'm really still friends with is one of the girls who befriended me in that period of time and we're mm. still friends till t- today. That's um, nice. And, yeah, so... I was putting on this mask, trying to be someone other than who I am. Mm. And the excuses I was making was, uh, I'm not going to lie, I was gifted with pretty good looks as a girl. (laughs) And very much down that, like, generically good-looking line, (laughs) blonde, blue-eyed, like, Mm. you know problematically (laughs) what we define as a good-looking girl in our society. Um, A little off track as a young girl where I was friends with mostly um, the Torres Strait Islanders when I lived there in the Torres Strait. Uh, One of my friends once said to me, she straightened her hair for my birthday party and she said she wanted to be pretty like me. And I was so because I was I was like, what happened to your hair? And she's like, I've, I got mum straightened it so I'd be pretty. Like you, and I'm like, no, you're pretty. Oh. I think it was my sixth birthday party, oh. and like I was young enough still to not fully understand the implications of like race and stuff. But it like upset me that she thought I was pretty and that she wasn't. Mm. Um, and yeah, 
fast forward to a teenager and I'm still getting like these, uh, all this attention from adult men and things that's just inappropriate for 13 year olds. But, um, it was really confronting being the wrong gender and having that attention and me trying to fit into it and accept it and feeling like, well, it would be wrong of me to give away at the time my religious beliefs of like God gifted me this, I should use it, be happy with it. Mm. And so like the excuse was like, who would I be to throw away these gifts Mm. and trying to be thankful for what I had and accept it, not wanting to – and I didn't even understand that trans men existed. (laughs) I didn't know what it was that was Uh. wrong. I just was like, I wish I had a penis. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even care much about the gender expression or presentation, anything like that. It was – or gender roles because I still didn't do gender roles. Mm. Uh, I don't know how my parents didn't catch on when we travelled Europe and I just was taking like big close-up shots of all the penises on the statues. (laughs) They thought I was super straight. Like, like she's in the penis. And I'm like, (laughs) 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 sure. (laughs) I mean, Her daughter loves cock. Ah, I do. I also, (laughs) it was more so at that time to attach to me. Uh, Mm. It's actually a statue of Hermaphrodite in the Louvre that really like, I was just like, they're beautiful. (laughs) Pretty boobies and a nice little penis. It was (laughs) really, anyway, (laughs) don't know if that's relevant. Anyway. I also, the fear of losing family was the big one. Once I started to understand what was happening and who I was around the age of 20. Um, And, yeah, I I knew that that was where I should be going. But for another six years, I just kept kind of pulling that box out, looking at it, getting so afraid and thinking of, how family members might react, how people in my community might react, that I would be seen as this gross, like, reject of society. Yeah. Um, And then it just came to one day where I thought to myself, if this is what it's like on this side of the wall, then screw it. It's not worth it. Like, Mm. to, to wallow in this shit over here then the excuses are not actually serving me. They're keeping me in a terrible place. Yeah. And so it was like my last ditch effort at life. And I was just like, "Mm, let's go. And Mm. I just, I had hair down to my bum and I just cut it all off and Mm. dyed my hair blue, like cliche trans boy any every time (laughs) every like cliche trans boy the blue hair and yeah that's where it all started and my mental health and ability to cope has just been going upwards you know ups and downs but on a very steady trajectory upwards and um i wish i had stopped making excuses a long time ago for facing 
fear. Like it's it's that fear. It's so terrifying. Mm. And it takes a lot of bravery to just make the decision to start. And that is a very brave decision. I see it now. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, it just felt like a, you know, if you don't want to live anymore, what's the harm in going for another thing on the way? Like, mm. I was just like, bah, bah, whatever. Sometimes when you get to those really dark places, there can sometimes be this moment where, well, you know what? The rest of my life is just bonus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I have seen it that way for a long time. I'm just kind of like, wow, this is all extra now. Yeah. And, <laughs> and of course, speaking as someone with a history of depression and anxiety as well, mm -hmm. and those dark, dark, dark moments of considering some not so great options <laughs> yeah no. there can be like the other side of that yeah. as well i i don't want to also simplify it and say that after the choice to transition it was all roses i think probably some of my <laughs> closest calls were some of those years after that yeah it was actually the plebiscite time <laughs> that was probably mm. the worst worst period because i was working on a call center <laughs> where I had to hear a lot of it. Do you want to just give some context for the internationals? Oh, sorry, the plebiscite, uh, the same-sex marriage uh, plebiscite where they asked, instead of, you know, big boy politicians just making the right choice, <laughs> they decided to make it a public campaign Yeah. to everyone in Australia got a vote as to whether people should have human rights. Um <laughs> I love when they do that. We it's just have another one as well. <laughs> such a comfy, refreshing time when those things happen. Yeah. And like everyone having a vote, it also doesn't, like with a plebiscite, they didn't have to accept the outcome either. I think with a referendum, they do. Yeah. Um, but the big issue is it becomes a public smear campaign about. <laughs> marginalized people yeah and so it was just television ads about these trans people are going to try and make my son wear a dress at school oh, and god because we have school uniforms here <laughs> um and right now you're not allowed to wear the wrong gendered uniform at a lot of schools mm. um and just yeah there's just these huge campaigns basically smearing marginalised groups. Yeah. So in regards to the the, the same-sex marriage plebiscite, it was just gay people. And then lots about trans people where <laughs> we've been a good target, I guess, mm. for a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> but thank goodness I got through a lot of that. Um, I left that crap job, which was <laughs> one of the a good thing. And... Um, yeah, making the hard decisions. Yeah, excuses almost always are uh, just a stall point. It's a way of stalling and staying in the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad that I have... I Now, just the thought of stopping and stagnating is the worst thing. And some of my personal situations right now mean that I have to stay still in certain 
parts of my life and it's driving me insane. Mm. Surgery where I can't like change the outcomes. Like I just have to wait. And it's takes about one and a half to two to three, sometimes more, depending on your complications, to just get through all the stages. And I'm just like, I want to be done. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the money as well, like yeah. having to deal with all of that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Living situations, cost of living, lack of rentals, all of these things making it feel very stuck. Yeah. And so. Um, yet, you've vol- yet you've taken all of that on because you're being true to yourself. Yeah. And I would not suggest anything else for it. <laughs> like uh, the other option was not an option. Yeah. And to think that it is, is basically... To me, it was living a lie. And to build a life on that lie is not going to be productive. Yeah. And I look at a lot of broken families and really tragic sort of uh, interpersonal situations where you build a life on a lie that's always going to fall apart eventually. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. However, I do, I do want to end on a higher note. Okay. Despite the pitfalls that come from difficult transition and society and the barriers that have been put in place, I'm finding myself on the other side of those barriers now on so many, and I'm feeling Mm. like I'm now in that position to throw the rope down to try and help my, my fellow trans siblings up and over as well. Yeah. And I think we are going to get there. We're going to get that critical mass over. We're going to get past it and break it down. But it's not a fast road. It's not going to be tomorrow, next year, next decade even. Mm. But we're slowly chipping away. We're chipping away. And I have this passion for life now. Like I want to live so much that I'm excited. I want to take care of my body. It lets me want to eat well and just you know keep active and keep living because now Mm. I have so much to live for yes I have this career I hope to pursue Mm. in medicine fingers crossed (laughs) (laughs) and I want to get as much out of it I want more life I want to live a long time I've got family that I want to see grow up (laughs) Yeah. yeah and even like my own life feels possible now Mm. before I was like I could never be a good partner or parent or things like that because I could barely look after. I mean, I still can barely look after myself. <laughs> I suspect parents feel like that as well. Like you're just kind of like, well, let's go anyway. <laughs> yeah, just making it up as we go along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's all these possibilities and just those possibilities opening up in front of you Yes, makes the world go from a dark place with a little pinhole to you standing at this opening with right open spaces all in yes. front of you with so many directions to go uh-huh yeah oh that's delicious so i i totally encourage you to find that opening <laughs> <laughs> to i bet you do mm, <laughs> Stick I, a couple fingers in <laughs> i highly say find the top of the well get out <laughs> yeah yeah excellent yeah thanks mika Thank you.